This episode of a Quick Timeout podcast is presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. Dr. Dish machines are the most advanced shooting machines on the market. If you haven't already, join top programs like Duke, North Carolina, Baylor, Florida, and countless others and upgrade to Dr. Dish. And now save an extra $300 on select models when you mention Quick Timeout Podcast. To find out more, visit drdishbasketball.com. It's great to have with us today, longtime college basketball coach and current coaching consultant, Coach Gail Gestenkors. Coach, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's my pleasure. This is an honor for me. I was telling Coach before this, I grew up in the research triangle and also a Duke fan. So I was right there with Coach G's Duke teams when they were dominating the ACC and making those runs in the NCAA tournament. And uh, I thought, too, with kind of March heating up here, um, to have a coach on with with experience and uh, who who knows about preparing teams to make a run late into March and I guess now early into April. I'll ask you some more coaching questions in a minute, but I just wanted to hear from you. You think back about some of those teams and some of those runs that you had. What is maybe one memorable March run that comes to mind and, and why it's so special to you? Well, I think you always remember your first run to the final. So that was way back in 1999, but that is the most precious to me, I think, mm. because it was our first. So, and we had to go through Tennessee, mm. uh, you know, final to get there. In Tennessee, they had all the Meeks, Shamiqua, Tamika, Shamiqua, <laughs> and they won three national championships in a row, and they were poised and supposed to win their fourth. So that was the one when we upset them in the regional final. Uh, to go to our first Final Four, that was the moment of just pure joy uh, that I'll never forget. Yeah, yeah, that was an exciting year. Um, it's sad to think that doesn't sound very long ago to me, but I, I guess that uh, I guess it has been quite a few years ago now. Everybody knows you want kind of a team that's peaking this time of year, and your teams frequently did that, the runs that you all had there, especially at Duke. Was there any kind of sort of formula that you had to help make that happen? Well, we always talk to the team, as many people do, about learning lessons throughout the course of the season so that once we learn our lesson, we didn't want to repeat our mistakes. So you continue to grow. We always practice hard and our longest practices were always early when we were implementing what we wanted to do. And then as time went on, when you get maybe halfway through the, your conference season, we always started pairing back what is working for us and you're using your analytics and whatnot so you know here's what we're best at offensively and defensively now we've got to stop they you don't want your players thinking anymore you want them at that point they should just be reacting and playing basketball you don't need them to get paralyzed you know paralysis through analysis that's you can't have that so you want them playing with great confidence and aggression and to do that they can't think so we really pared back. We pared back what we were putting in, what we were talking about, our scouting reports, our practices. So early on, we might have a three three hour practices, but by the end, we weren't going two hours anymore. We would have go an hour and a half max, just because we were an aggressive type of team. So we we felt like their energy was more important than anything else. I know coaches know that. But it's hard to do because you're like towards the end and you want to make sure you have all your bases covered. And did you ever feel because you were playing some of those teams three, you may have faced a team a fourth time once you got to the tournament as well. Did you ever feel the pressure of maybe like adding new or was it 
we got to make sure that we just stick to the to what we've been doing might add a little wrinkle especially if it was a team that we had played several times and we did play several teams especially at towards the end of the time i was in the acc we played once four times maryland once four times that was very difficult so if you can just add a little wrinkle here or there but we would never put in a new offensive set it was always a wrinkle offensively or defensively that might just change things a little bit one extra possession one extra score can you remember one of those wrinkles oh well just some like backdoor cuts you know when we knew they're really going to deny somebody for instance on elena beer somebody who was player of the year that was a great player so a lot of times we would run something for that specific player one thing i like to do towards the end too to keep my player's attention is when we were going over a scouting report i like to use our opponent's favorite play that they ran we would run that as our first play of the game just to let them know we know what you're running and a lot of times we would score on it and the players took it, it helped them with their focus they took great delight and pride in trying to score using our opponents play against them so that was just a it's not it's something we wouldn't use you know normally but we just first play of the game i always love to use the opponent's favorite play well, i love that just a year ago those that may not know you were on the kentucky staff last year and one of those teams that towards the end of the year really got hot and won their last, I think it was, if I counted right, last six regular season games. And then you went to the tournament as a seventh seed and then proceeded to win four days in a row, which this time of year, I, I hear people talk about it, but it doesn't happen a lot. And three of those teams, LSU, Tennessee, and then South Carolina. First thing I want to ask you in regards to that, do you really have to, Coach Cliche, do you really have to take the one game and approach uh, and like, how do you communicate that to your players? I, I think you absolutely do when you, especially when you're not supposed to win, you know, you can't, you can't afford to look ahead at all. So all of those games, we were also fighting for our NCAA tournament lives at that point, because we had not had a great season. So we had the tool, we knew we had the tools necessary but again, it was really about lessons learned throughout the season. And every time we played a team and we played some twice, South Carolina, for instance, we only lost by 14 the second time. The first time we got blown out. So we thought, okay, we've made progress. Now the next time we know, you know, we can actually play with them. We were able to beat them basically at the buzzer. But so as long as your players, I, was, I give a lot of credit to Kyra Elsey, who's the head coach at Kentucky, because she never, even when we went through a big losing streak, she never let them lose faith and continue to give them confidence and believe in them. And, and as a coach, that goes so far. When the players know that you believe they can do something incredible, they'll believe it as well. And, and they also likewise know if you don't believe in them, if you don't think it's possible, they're not going to believe in themselves. So I give Kyra Elsie a lot of credit. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, you oh and four, I think it was regular season against those three teams, and then got them to believe that they could actually win it. This is, I mean, back to back to back. How how difficult that is to to do that. How do you prepare for something like that? Like, what is the practices shoot around? Do you go into it having prepared for those, but you don't necessarily know who your opponents are? Even in that case, what did those four days look like? Yeah, it was more film work, um, really breaking down. And fortunately, I had three of the four scouts, so I did not sleep the entire time. But what was really good is I could 
I love video. I love breaking down video. So I could set up the scouting report. We didn't do cover a whole lot on the court because we really only had seven players that we were playing and we were playing four games, you know, we played four games in a row. So it was really the mental game, getting them mentally where they needed to be so they could see here's where we made our mistakes. And then I always end the video. Here's what we're going to, here's what we did well in those games before. Now, if we just do a little bit more of this and eliminate a little of this, we're going to be successful. So it was really just about physically having them um, have enough energy to get through those games, but it was really about working on the mental side to get them where they needed to be to believe. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats, lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, assist brings your stats to life. Combined with the HD quality, automatically captured film from the Huddle Focus smart camera, every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to find out more. This week on a quick timeout plus newsletter, we're looking at Kelvin Sampson's Houston Cougars defense, diagrams and film of two of the Cougars' core four principles. Those of you who are members received in last week's newsletter a breakdown of Nate Oates' adapted five-out offense, as well as some of the best X's and O's from the first round of the NCAA tournament. You can become a member of a Quick Timeout Plus newsletter for just $5 per month and $40 for the entire year. To sign up, you can become a member of a Quick Timeout Plus newsletter for just $5 per month or $40 for the entire year. To sign up, click the link found in the show's description. Since you are such a film junkie, if I were to sit down with you, what is your process in going to prepare for a team? Ooh. Um, well, first, the first thing I do is I get out all the stats. So I, I love looking at stats. What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? So I like to see it before I start watching my video. I like to see what what I'm going to look at. And then I like to look at it and, and prove prove the stats right. So for the team, if somebody can't shoot the three or what, I'm going to show them missing three point shots. You know, we're not going to guard her out at the three. Here's what happens. And then I look at it kind of like a chess match. As a team, what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? So we've got to take their strengths and minimize them and exploit their weaknesses. How can we do that based on what our strengths and weaknesses are? So I always look at scouting like a chess match and try to figure out how best to attack our opponent and really get to their Achilles heel early and, and cause doubt in their minds. Do you do that also on like an individual level as far as each player, what you want to do? Absolutely. Yep. And then so you, you've you got the team scout that you you show your team. And then always I would do individual scouts for each player who might be guarding those players. Here's how I want you to attack them. And here's what they're going to try to do to you. So let's let's decide how are we going to defend this? That's a little bit different. You start to the NCAA tournament and you've got kind of about like a five day prep period to the next set of weekend games, at least. How do you use that time, those five days to prepare? And then how do you prepare for that unknown opponent? You win that first game, then you got basically less than 48 hours and you got to play again. 
Yeah, I think the five days in between, you know, went from conference tournament to NCAA tournament, you're, or when you find out who your opponent is, you're really focused on yourself. So it's tweaking those little things, those those areas that we got to clean this up. So, and usually you can figure that out through your conference tournament, or we always go back five games. What are our trends in the last five games? What do we really need to clean up so that we're at our very best heading into the tournament? And then once you find out your opponent, I mean, it's all on deck. So you're you're scouting your first opponent, but and your assistants are also scouting the next potential opponents as well. So it's just at that point, you're not going to really change a whole lot. It's just about making some tweaks here and there. I'm assuming you just talked about the first opponent and then yeah. waited until after to talk to the players about the second one. I did, but like when I was at Duke, when we were the number one overall seed, on a couple of occasions when I knew we were good enough to get through, you know, your first, I would, I'd show them the big picture. I'd say, okay, here's the tournament bracket. Here's how I see our path. So we would look, here's who we might play. We might play them. We might play them. Here's their strengths, weaknesses. This is what we'll do. Boom. So very first day I would go through the whole bracket with them. And then I said, okay, you saw it. You see where we want to go. You see where we're going to go now one game at a time. Now we got all that out of the way. Now here's our focus. So I did big, big picture to begin with, and then I broke it back down and we pulled it all the way back to the beginning. And then we always did two game tournaments. So when we hosted, we called it the, when I was at Duke, the Duke Invitational. So we've got teams coming in, three teams are coming in here. We're hosting our own tournament one game at a time, but we're going to win our tournament second round, which was regionals, we'd go, I'd name it another tournament. So we put up a bracket. It's another four game tournament. Now, obviously it's different this year with more teams going into the regionals, but we just, that way we were focused just on this tournament here, this tournament. We only had to win three, three tournaments to win a national championship, yeah. two tournaments. So just trying to keep it, keep their focus small. Once, once we got through the big picture, now I wanted the, the narrow focus. You talked about kind of pairing the practices back. So during those five days that you had to prep, can you kind of talk about the actual breakdown of time? This is how we spent. And then I'm assuming you spent, you didn't just practice for an hour. I'm sure you did. The film was on top of that as well. Yeah. We always start every day, every day of my, every day as a head coach, we watch film every single day. So, but I kept it, to a minimum most of the season. So 10 minutes before practice, five, five minutes of video was usually spent on here's what either practice or the game looked like the day before the stuff we need to work on. And here are our plays of excellence, whether it's practice or game, we were always going to watch about 10 minutes of practice. It went a little bit longer when we got into the scouting, but generally speaking, so still watching that video and then just getting reps in a lot of times we didn't go as much up and down the floor because again, we were worried about, we wanted them to be fresh. So it was a lot of dry runs with working through all of our offenses. Really, we would work a lot on our special situation stuff that we needed to clean up because during the season, sometimes all of a sudden you're not doing as much with your special situations because you're worried about the scouting. You're worried about all these things. So it's a time to really tighten up because those special situations, you know, they can be the difference in the game, and they many times are. Those are the things we'd really focus on, just little tweaks, cleaning up some of the stuff that, that it, we just weren't doing a good job with anymore and, and focusing on a lot of our – you've got a score in the NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. It's defense, 
you know, that's great, but you've got to find a way to score. If you're a good team, you're going to have great defense, and you can usually bring that every day. But it's the offensive little – the execution that really needs to needs to happen in the tournament as well. You coached in four Final Fours, and two of which you guys went on to play in the final game. And I asked Coach Muffet McGraw about this when I had her on. But what is it like getting your team focused – on a magnitude of that first game. So you play that first game and there's a bit, there's big excitement around kind of the event itself. Um, kind of managing, I'll start with just this, just managing that first game and the excitement that goes along with that, the event, not just the game itself, but the event and the interviews and that kind of stuff that you were required to do as a coach. How did you help your team stay focused through all of that? Yeah, I think it's so, it's really difficult. People, no idea all that goes in all the hoopla which is it's incredible it is exhausting for for yourself but for more importantly for the players um especially when you've got all americans um and player of the year candidate because not only do they have to do they do all the interviews which for every practice you have to go a couple hours before practice for interviews then you have you're required to stay after practice as well for more interviews but and then you have signings that you're required to do as well and so and when you have an all-american they have banquets that they also have to go to i'll I'll never forget i think it was our second maybe our second final four um when elena beer she won a lot of awards um national player of the year and some others she left we left the hotel at 8 a.m she did not, this is the day before they didn't get back to the hotel until 11 PM. She was gone the whole time. She had to bring three different outfits with her, but it's like, we're getting ready to play tomorrow. And she was absolutely, you know, so that's, I, I think I learned the hard way. I was like, Oh my gosh, it's just so you try and really narrow the focus and you're, you know, telling them don't, don't be listen. Don't be on your phone listening to all you know, the hi- everybody's hyping you up or everybody's questioning this or that about you or the team. You know, keep your focus. But it's really it's it's probably one of the most difficult things I think. Um, you try to just close in your circle, but when there's so much required of them, it's hard to do. And then you win the first game, and then you have to turn around. You know, two days later and play. Um, I'm sure it's a lot of the stuff that you talked about already. But again, just kind of. Um, I've heard some coaches talk about it is it's almost kind of like it's not necessarily a letdown, but it was so much to get ready for that first game. And then you have to play the second game as well. What did you guys do? Like, did you go out? Did you basically stay in? Like, what what was the strategy for preparing for that second game? Yeah, we tried. We stayed in. Again, we were always trying to kind of keep our circle tight. So we'd eat our meals inside. We tried to do some fun things, play games and whatnot. As a st- our, uh, our team always liked to play like hangman and you know, different mm. things uh, just to have fun and, and laugh and, because there's a lot of uh, nervous energy mm. that they need to deal with. So, you know, we do our scout. We had our business, but and we tried to keep things rolling like we always did so we had our routine so they all they still had their study hall they still you know they still had to stay in the routine because that's what we were used to but we also tried to relieve a little bit of the pressure by having some fun looking at this about like this year what things like interest you as far as like from a coaching perspective that you're seeing either in the game or teams that are executing or the way that the game is played specifically on the women's side yeah i think you know one thing i always 
tried to prepare for and uh, and I see every year is a, the mo the more physical, the more aggressive teams tend to win. Hmm. So, you know, you look at South Carolina. I mean, they're very physical. They've got a great inside game. That's the other thing. When you go into tournaments, a lot of times those great shooting teams, when you've got when you're a little more nervous than usual, because you know you could be out with a loss and you're done for a season or a career, you're a little bit more stressed out. So a lot of times the outs, the teams that rely on those outside shooting don't go as far. Hmm. So I always said, when you get in the tournament, the officials tend to let you play more. Hmm. So the more physical teams, they, they don't tend to call the touch fouls anymore. The hot stove, all that stuff kind of goes out the window. So I, I like the teams that are physical. You know, I like, I, I feel like they've got a better shot and aggressive. And I always told my team too, because the seniors, a lot of times they deal with stress differently because they know their careers could be done. Hmm. And some, they play their best basketball and some tighten up. So I always relied to and talk to the underclassmen about y'all, you need to help. You need to help here. You know, you've got another year left or another two years left. So you need to take some of the pressure off of your teammates, your senior teammates and really take the lead. So you know, just trying to take some stress off of them. All right. I have a couple of just kind of like quick hitters here at the end. You can go as long as you want to, but is there anything that you look back on and you say in your coaching career, I wish in this moment I'd have done something different. I wish early on when, when my players felt the stress, you know, some of the seniors, I wish I would have recognized it sooner. And sometimes I thought I, I recognize, I wish I would have talked about it. Like talk about the elephant in the room. Hmm know your team you kind of know okay somebody's tightening up they're not as confident you know whatever it might be don't think it's going to go away like hit it head on talk about it find a way through it do you have like a favorite coach k story <laughs> not one i would just say he is uh, in my mind he's the greatest combination of x and o but motivator really the greatest motivator I've ever been around in my entire life. He can get his team and individuals on that team exactly mentally where they needed to be for each and every game. It was it's very impressive to watch and to listen to. The most skilled player you ever coached, and not just because of basketball skill, but for what they did for your program. I would say Elena Beard. Uh, I don't know that she was she wasn't initially the most skilled. But because she was a relentless worker uh, and only knew one way to practice and one way to play, and it was all out all the time, I would say she was kind of, you know, she just took our, our team to another level. And that's why we were able to, uh, you know, win five ACC tournaments in a row was because of everybody. But she was setting the tone daily in practice. I say this to kids entering college or kids on my own college team. Would you say that is the secret sauce, hard work? Absolutely. Consistently. You know, some people come and go, but it's got, if it's, if you're all out all the time, something special is going to happen. If you were coaching in today's game, what is different today than maybe what you did, but that you would do differently? I would say the mental health is, you know, you really have to focus on the mental health. You really have to, and with the transfer portal now, you really have to recruit your own players 
all the time. Mm. If I, you know, was coaching now, I would spend a lot of my time and, and with my assistants really making sure my players were in the right place and space mentally, physically, and that I was re-recruiting them daily, you know, because I wouldn't want them to leave. That was part of the joy that I had was almost all of my players stayed for four years. So I got to see them grow up and they had to fight through the hard times because they they weren't going to transfer. You know, now sometimes when hard times hit, the first thought is to go somewhere else. I feel like culture is that buzzword that everybody kind of like turned their nose at. And then now we're realizing that that's probably in this climate, the most important thing that we could focus on and the thing that we probably should be talking more about again. And that kind of leads me to this last thing before we wrap up. You're now doing some coaching consulting. And I just wondered, as you talk with coaches, what are the main things that they're talking about that they want to have wisdom for from somebody who's done it as long as you have? Yes, uh, I, I love consulting with college coaches and specifically coaches that have gone from that assistant role to the head coaching role because that's they say those six inches it is it is such a different because now you're really the ceo of the program so really i think the biggest thing is helping them to uh manage all of a sudden they are a manager a ceo of all of these other people so being able to really hire the very best people um that will play to their weaknesses you know so that everybody uh compliments one another. You don't want people with the same strengths you have. And um, being able to have really hard, the other thing is when you're managing people, being able to have those hard conversations, hitting it head on, not thinking things will go away. So I think the most difficult thing I've seen is having those tough conversations, especially with your staff, people you love and you care about, but knowing they need to help you get to the next level. That's Coach Gail Guessencourse. Coach, so much great stuff. Thanks for working with me to make this happen. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.